Fun. And we wow. are live. We, look at it. it is episode 140 of the wow. Iskwerd, the show. Now <laughs> just bounce down, bounces yeah. up like a little plane. I pulled, yeah. I pulled the wrong lever. That was on me. <laughs> I keep forgetting that this isn't like my chair in Kuwait, which gets a little bit awkward sometimes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, today we're joined yes, by we a special guest. Yeah, our first guest from Qatar. 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 Yep. And uh, we have uh, Miss uh, Tina. Tina. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Let the world know who you are, what you do. Well, thank you for having me on the show. Um, I'm Tina Balachandran. I'm a clinical aviation psychologist. Um, trauma and health are my area of expertise. Um, I've been in Qatar for almost 11 years now. So Qatar is almost like home for me. And um, well, I recently moved to private practice and um, exploring and getting used to a different world uh, from, uh, you know, working for one organization for the last 10 years. So wow. it's an interesting wow. And uh, where you worked for Qatar Airways, I'm assuming? That's correct. I worked for wow. Qatar Airways. Uh, I was heading <laughs> their psychology department for 10 wow. years. Wait, so I'm just, let me say, I've traveled in a lot of different airplanes, but there's no experience like traveling in Qatar Airways. Qatar, yep. It's not like an endorsement. Yeah, we're not, <laughs> we're not, we're not sponsored. Absolutely. But I, but I, yeah, but I, but I mean it, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know what it is. It just feels so relaxing traveling, especially I traveled from the United States to Lebanon often. And it's uh-huh, like one of the uh-huh. few like reliable, you know, and I just feel good. Okay. So what do you do is you help people who don't feel, feel good, good. <laughs> wait so what so what do you do as an aviation psychologist <laughs> well as an aviation psychologist we help pilots cabin crew um, anyone in a safety critical role within the aviation industry be able to take care of their uh, well-being emotional psychological health um, and to make sure that they feel good enough uh, to perform their job at the best and make sure that they are safe and they keep everybody around them safe as well. Pretty much. Um, so, yep. So, so that's, yeah, that's, that's basically been my role as an aviation psychologist. Let, so me, cool. let me, let me, let me just, <laughs> I've said this story like eight times now, but dude, because of my love for Qatar Airways. So I, I was, traveling, <laughs> I was, I, I was traveling back from Kuwait to Jordan and there wasn't any flights, unfortunately that was direct. So I had a nine mm-hmm. hour layover and, the king you know it was i forgot the name of the airport uh hamad was it hamad international airport international airport dude i did not feel the nine hours i i upgraded (laughs) because it's it's not a flex but i'm too i'm too big to sit in in economy so i always have to travel business but dude they treated me like a king. I'm not going to lie. Of course, man. Okay, I was yeah. treated like, oh my God, like it's amazing. But that's not the topic of today. Yeah. What I want to know is what does it take to make a good pilot? Can anyone be a pilot? Well, you do need to go through, um, you know, ground school. You need to uh, learn what you need to do in order to fly the plane. But apart from that, um, you know, you also have to have, um, you know, a right mix of um, interest, aptitude, skills, knowledge, um, and, and I guess personality traits to help you deal with the lifestyle that comes with uh, being a pilot because um, it's not just about the glamour. Uh, there's a lot of safety critical elements that they need to manage and take care of. Um, also from a lifestyle perspective, it's long hours, different time zones. So there's jet lag. 
um, you're, if, if you're married, you're away from family. So there's a whole lot of challenges that mm -hmm. pilots would have to deal yeah. with. And so, yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, so I guess you need to be That's prepared awesome. for all of that. So, so it's, mm -hmm. it's the passion as well as the drive that gets you there. Other, other, other than the like psychological aspects of always messing up your, or sorry, physiological aspects of, yeah. you know, the biological clock, it's always going back or forward and like pilots have to go yeah. here and there. I want to talk about the psychological toll it can take on a pilot when he's or right. she is going to and from all the time and like so so what is the most common thing we can see in pilots that have been always jet lagged and their biological clock is basically smashed into thousands of pieces well i guess when you're going through different time zones and uh you know you don't have sufficient time to rest in between mm. that can take a toll um you know you could feel a bit more irritated you could have difficulty falling asleep um, it, it completely changes your, your, your cycle because, you know, when, when you're home and if you have family, the routine that they follow and the routine that you're following is completely different because, you know, if, especially when, you know, a lot of times we see pilots when, when they have um, a newborn uh, in the family, that can be quite challenging for them mm -hmm. to kind of manage the work as well as the personal uh, life because then you have a baby crying possibly uh, when you're trying to sleep. So, um, it could lead to a whole lot of uh, challenges from that point of view, um, you know, physically difficulty sleeping could lead to feeling both more irritated, difficulty concentrating, um, you know, staying in focus. Um, and over a period of time, it can have an impact on uh, mood if it's not managed well, leading to more stress and, um, you know, difficulty in, in, mm. in actual performance as well. True, but uh, doesn't auto, like, I know this might sound a bit ignorant, and again, I'm very sorry, <laughs> but like autopilot, does this help a lot with pilots who are, you know, traveling long distance instead of having to manually, you know, and always be on the edge of your seat? Does it actually take a bit off the stress or... Do they still have to be aware that, okay, it's on autopilot, but it's a computer at the end of the day. So who knows? Like, well, I happens? think awareness is that, that situational awareness becomes really important and they need to be cognitively um, alert. Um, you know, you can't possibly just completely snooze away, um, you know, not, not really being aware of what's happening. Well, um, in, in a passenger carrier, you'd have a, a captain. And, and, and a pilot and, and a, a first officer as well. So it's not just one person manning the aircraft. But if it's oh, a see. single if it's a single pilot, um, you know, operation, then that can become a bit more challenging. Because if you're going to be, you know, snoozing off, then I don't think that's a very safe um, operation from that point of view. Mm -hmm. right. wow. That makes sense. But it's probably yeah. maybe like easier or less stressful to ride one of those commercial airplanes versus like riding one of those like self, like when you're driving by yourself. And you're on your own and you're in the air, right? Um, Absolutely. So it's always of... good to have someone along with you as a co-pilot mm -hmm. um, when, when oh. you're flying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, Amazing. Uh, <laughs> so what is the role? Yeah. Go ahead. What's Ed. the role of a what's the role of a co-pilot then? Well, the well, given that I don't technically fly, I hope you don't have the impression that I'm flying myself. <laughs> no, no, no. So. <laughs> yeah, but like, but like well, in a, in a so, relationship so kind of way. Yeah. So, the, have... so the captain and the co-pilot um, mm -hmm. obviously have a synergy in terms of their relationship. They need mm -hmm. to work well together in order to be able to have safe operations. 
um, they would you know go through checklists together they would make sure that uh, you know all the checklists all the procedures that they need to follow from a safety perspective are are managed and um, they may choose as well who's going to uh, you know take off who's going to land and they might divide their workload and share responsibilities accordingly mm. so Was that's the synergy relationship that they would have Again, I, I want you to excuse my like stupid questions today. But these no, are questions go, go like, ahead. I've I think always... every every question is valid, right? Every Fair. question is valid. Yeah. But like I've always wondered this: was there ever a case where a pilot freaks out in the middle of like a flying operation? Well, there could. I have seen pilots um, who've had certain challenges um, operating, and that was because of certain emotional or psychological um, challenges that they were dealing with. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's where, as, as a psychologist, um, you know, me and, um, and my colleagues would come in um, to help them to learn ways to better cope, to get the right treatment that they require in order to be able to go back to being as functional and as operational as they've been in the past amazing oh wow and did you ever have to like get called like uh, pilots freaking out and they actually called you to come to the station and just talk to them and calm them down is that just in the movies? not not really i think not that's really. a bit more in movies i, see. I would say at least from my experience captain well, uh, i need you to as, calm as, down as a psychologist <laughs> as, as a psychologist in in the role that i uh, i was in within the airline um, you know, it wasn't really an emergency service as such. It was uh, because a pilot who was not able to fly for any psychological, emotional reason would be would would probably first be grounded, would be uh, reviewed or seen rather for a discussion with your manager, referred to the medical center, or the pilot himself or herself would come in to meet one of the doctors or they would request to directly talk to a psychologist. And so that's how we mm -hmm. technically uh, oh, get involved. Wow. All right, yeah. cool. Would you, but you don't work with like pilots that are just normal, but they maybe have some psychological issues or is it just like the, the ones that are like reprimanded, they come to you? Not necessarily, and I wouldn't really call it reprimanding. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my bad. Yeah, I, yeah. Wouldn't, I, I wouldn't possibly um, mm -hmm. use that because yeah. I think pilots they i see them as individuals who recognize their role mm -hmm. and responsibility and when pilots feel that they're not able to perform they a lot most of the time would say yeah. hey you know what i don't think i'm i'm okay to operate or mm -hmm. and they would call in or report in sick wow. yes there can be situations where there are performance issues and sometimes we're not really aware of the impact of our personal life or a work life on on our performance and so when there is a dip in that performance then just like anyone who would go through a work-related situation and the manager says hey you know what I think um, there is a difference in how you're at work these days what's mm -hmm. happening and and it's about having a supportive workspace that people can actually uh, talk and say you know hey I need help and and I think that's what um, organizations uh, are trying to achieve. I see. Wow. And and mm -hmm. even in the aviation world, um, now there is this whole uh, push towards pilot peer support. The idea here is to allow or train pilots to support fellow pilots, 
right? Because you'd feel most comfortable talking with a friend to say, hey, I don't feel really mm -hmm. well. And, but here we're training pilots to recognize and provide that emotional support to a colleague in distress. That's so cool. And when they require to further refer them for, to a psychologist, that's when they refer. Because as, as you, I think your question was, um, you know, would you sometimes see someone who was just going through distress and it's not yeah. necessarily something major or significant, right? And, and that's the whole idea of mm. having a pilot peer support program in, in place. Amazing. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's very well said. That's so, say. yeah, well said and so cool. It just, it makes sense now that like you can't, if you're, if you have the responsibility of flying a plane, <laughs> you, you need to be kind of cool and calm and you it shouldn't is, really yeah. have all these emotional or stress or personal problems. At least you can manage them in different ways. Um, I think I'm against saying beings. we shouldn't. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, like we're saying human we beings, shouldn't right? is like saying and like they're army men. They're not. They're humans. It's like yeah. attack. It's listen. This might sound offensive, but they're like glorified taxi. <laughs> right? just, like, I'm sorry to say it, but like the difference well, is they're on a plane. They actually had to go to school for that, and cab drivers didn't yeah. really. But yeah. like, you know, they're human beings. End of the day, you know. Like, I hope well, that wasn't too offensive. Absolutely. Well, mm, I, I will, I will, <laughs> I wouldn't really call them glorified taxi drivers. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think a, a pilot would really take that very well. I don't I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, one of my good yeah. friends, one of my good friends is a pilot and it's like, if he watches this video, he's going to hate me for this. I know it. Cause I, cause that's how I make fun of him. He calls me, uh, I don't want to say it, but because uh, I study medicine. So he called, basically calls me a glorified nurse and I call him a glorified uh, taxi driver. The thing is, I don't know why I take offense to being called nurses. Nurses run <laughs> hospitals, dude. This is true. Shout oh, out absolutely. to all my nurses, yeah. honestly. Absolutely. So, yeah. But uh, what I want to like, how, how I know it's stressful. I know it's very stressful knowing that you have hundreds of people <laughs> on the back of you. Right. Yeah. And one small mistake and like all of them would be gone and it would be. It's a huge funny. responsibility. But, yeah, just but what I want to know is like do they get used to this stress or is it like every time you know they're holding the the, the flying stick i don't know the name of the equipment so i'm just gonna <laughs> call them by what i think they are Imagine so every time called, yeah. every time they hold that and they go like okay we're ready to fly do, does do, do they think about it or is it like oh, i've done this like i've done hundreds of hours now and well, I think with with experience, obviously, you get more comfortable. I think mm -hmm. it's the same way, um, you know, going going with the analogy that you used about driving, um, you know, the first time you sit in the car, you, you go, mm, OK. And, and then as you get used to it, you, you might try different maneuvers. Right. Sure. Um, I think it's the same way when you join flight school, there might be, you know, understandable nervousness and worry and, you know, stress. But as you learn, then you develop proficiency. And, and pilots go through, uh, you know, repeated regular checks. They have line training. They have simulators that they go through. Simulators can be stressful because you're being assessed. And I guess it's fair to say if anybody's going through an assessment, there is some level of stress that you go True. through, right? Um, even as a doctor, if every year you had to go through 
regular checks and exams, there would be some level of stress that you would experience. Of course. So, um, I, yeah, so it's the same thing. So pilots, when they have their simulator, we do see an increase in the stress levels. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally when they are flying, obviously they wow. are used to what they are doing. That's mm -hmm. what they're trained for. That's what, um, you know, that's, that's their role. So mm -hmm. do you, uh, do you think there's like an alternative way to like simulations to like check, make sure the pirates are pirates, <laughs> pilots are doing their job, <laughs> but also like not add, add to the stress that they have? Or do you think like it's a stress that's manageable? Uh, I think the simulator stress is generally manageable. They're, okay. I mean, they, they study, they prepare, they know what to expect. Um, mm. You know, the simulator might throw in some emergency situations, which, you know, you don't really expect to deal with emergency in a regular flight, mm -hmm. but they also train and prepare for it so that for when it. they have to deal with it, they are able to manage. It's kind of like CPR, right? I, I mean, see, we yeah. all train, but we mm -hmm. don't really- When it comes uh, down to not... having, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know, you need to have the skills. You need to be yep. refreshed. You need to know what to do. You need be able to, to have handle the presence the of mind. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. wow. I, think, I think what pilots and doctors share in common is during emergencies, we both have to, you know, keep a cool head in mind because any mistake and like that's it there's no there's like a simulation you fail you get out you can do it again again like another day mm -hmm. but when you're actually having to deal with what the simulation is but in real life it's it's even more stressful because you really have to keep your cool remember everything yeah. and like simulations okay there's a timer but there's no nothing more stressful than real time yeah, yeah like mm -hmm. when it's actually Absolutely. do or die so i have a huge respect to pilots obviously and even though i kind of called them glorified taxi but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude but i mean dude, i wonder if doctors have psychologists in that way i yeah, feel like do. everyone who have like yeah they do huh they do mm -hmm. my my dad tells me he doesn't go to them because mm -hmm. my my dad and i share this whole same cool-headed you know leveled head but like mm -hmm. he tells me like there are sometimes people just freak out in the middle of operations that's why he's wow like in surgery rooms he's not the only one there and when when he goes he doesn't necessarily have to do a surgery he's just there in case case right happens. yeah so that's why it's, it's, have a it is, it is. Yeah. and what's worse about these assessments dude is like even for us it's like i have a friend who is a genius in, in, in medicine. He is no joke, a genius. Uh -huh. But when it comes to the exam, he doesn't do as well as he should have. Why? It's not that he doesn't know the information. He taught me the information, right? But it's just that under stress, like people do tend to forget a lot. Well, yeah, stress also like affects your sleep, right? <laughs> and like being awake also at all hours of the day, if you're a pilot, like you can't sleep too well. I'm and can you tell us like do pilots have sometimes like sleep problems and um how do they get past the <laughs> the time shift well just like everybody else globally you'd find that you know one in four one in five people are affected with mental health issues and it's the same thing that you notice with pilots as well depression wow. anxiety mm -hmm. sleep related issues mm -hmm. um 
as, as we were talking about earlier, the human beings, right? And so they go through the same levels of ups and downs and emotional challenges that uh, you or me or anybody else that we know might sometimes have to deal with. So um, it's, it's very common, uh, depression, anxiety, sleep-related issues. How do they get past the sleep-related issues? Quite often, pilots that I talk to, um, they say that they have certain sleep routines that they follow. They have a certain schedule that they build in. They know what their roster is going to look like, and then they plan accordingly. They see how they can manage and cope with it. Um, I remember talking to a pilot who once said that every time he would follow the time zone of the place that he's flying into so that it just allows him to adjust a lot more easier to the place mm -hmm. to the place mm -hmm. that he's going into That's right smart. but however if it's if if it's if it's so if, it's a, if he's just going to yeah. go in and come back right away then he'd retain the time zone of the place that he's starting in so that if he oh, comes back oh, cool. he can just so pilots have a whole lot of uh, techniques they that they would um, mm -hmm. absolutely in amazing. order to help them mm -hmm. to cope amazing yeah. All right, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> why did, yeah, why did was, you want to become, uh, what do you want to say, Ali? Go ahead. I was going to talk about something controversial, but I think we can just, <laughs> let's, let's, let's smooth it. Yeah, dude, if, if doctors earlier. have, if doctors have a psychologist and pilots have a psychologist, maybe the president needs a psychologist also. Maybe all of us need to see more psychologists. I was going to go into something it's, a bit more controversial. <laughs> what I want to ask you is why do you want to be an aviation psychologist? Like specifically, why that? So to be honest, aviation just happened for me. Oh, wow. um, I'm clinically trained. Um, I moved to Qatar 10 years ago, um, was looking for a job, um, you know, to, to get started in Qatar. And um, I saw a position open with Qatar Airways. And so um, like, I applied <laughs> and yeah. I, I got through. I mean, and um, I've, I've never regretted a day mm -hmm. since uh, because I thoroughly enjoyed aviation. I've learned so much, um, you know, and, and it's, it's just been the, the 10 years that I worked with them was, was just amazing because, mm. you know, um, the experience that I gained, um, you know, working with a multicultural population of pilots, of cabin crew, of um, aircraft maintenance engineers, technicians, ground services, was was awesome. So um, mm -hmm. I, I've learned a lot over over the years as well. So aviation just happens, but um, I guess it's it's kind of like um, you know once you once you taste a particular food, you just you just want more of it. it. And yeah. I, I yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, the lays, right? You can't yeah. just stop with one. Yeah. Right? Or, <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 something it's something like that. So once yeah. I got into aviation, the passion for aviation just built on, mm -hmm. and uh, that led to me, um, you know, getting more involved with um, associations related to aviation psychology, mm. um, getting myself accredited as an aviation psychologist, um, and I'm currently yeah. part of the European Aviation Association Psychology oh, nice. Working Group, oh. and mm -hmm. uh, we're currently looking at. What competencies do aviation psychologists require? What uh, training programs should aviation psychologists go through? What um, you know? What are the skills and knowledge um, and behavioral attributes that aviation psychologists should have so that we can 
certify or accredit more people as aviation psychologists. Aviation so, psychologists. Wow. All right, let's get into the dark, darker side of aviation. <laughs> uh, it's it's a pretty serious topic. So if you are sensitive to things like I'm that, sorry. like we gave mm -hmm. you the fun and stuff, so you can just click off now. But uh, especially around, I think it was the 1980s and uh, up to this day, there are pilots who couldn't deal with the fixing their sleep schedules and unfortunately it has taken them to you know using these illegal drugs to help them keep awake right so mm -hmm. i don't know if you've seen any of these cases firsthand yourself or not and if you can't discuss any of it it's fine but uh like is how often do pilots get checked like do pilots actually get checked when they're boarded on a plane for any illegal drugs or do they let them well they do they go they do go through um the alcohol um test random alcohol testing um and i think every airline would have their own protocols in place in order to um check for uh, the use of different substances um alcohol is is the most common one that is checked um and obviously if uh, there is there is any other reason for them to test for further uh, for the substances? Then I guess that's when further assessments would go into place. Um, but right, right I, after alcohol, I think is cocaine, if I'm not mistaken, because uh, I'm I'm looking at it now. It's, 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 it's true though, but it's it's true. Yeah, like, stats. Are, you actually have stats. You're looking at it. I, I'm looking. I'm looking at like. <laughs> many, many news reports of like air cocaine pilot sentenced to six years in drug smuggling scandal u.s mm -hmm. private jet fi uh, pilots <laughs> traffic cocaine and mm -hmm. like uh, it's these huge airliners well right? i wonder also i mean i'm sure doctors also are i mean getting the same issue right because you have to stay opioids, up a lot of the time opioids not even like not even staying <laughs> up all the time the, yeah the biggest like, like pain and, and medical ethics yeah just the pain of having to like deal with all these different stress scenarios. Opioids are huge in the med medical world. Like mm -hmm. nurses, uh, doctors. Dude, you've watched House MD. Like it's very, very, very similar. There are a lot of doctors who actually like wow. get, you know, their license pulled or things like that, uh, you know, just because That's they couldn't handle it yeah. normally. They, they were too... They're, they're stuck on They're addicted to it. Yeah, they're not just addicted to it. I think the main reason doctors do get on it is because they're too, you know, uh, their ego is too big for them to actually sit down one on one with a psychologist, you know, and just talk things through. So what happens if they were caught with these illicit drugs and like <laughs> how often does it happen? Well, again, I, I would say it depends on each airline and the protocols that they have in place. And I guess, um, you know, as you'd expect certain countries, it's completely not acceptable. It's illegal. And so the protocols that they have in place would be accordingly different. Mm -hmm. um, in, in most countries, uh, when they do come across a pilot who's under the influence, there are supportive programs in place to help the pilot uh, to go through the required treatment in order to recover. Obviously, the license to fly would be temporarily suspended. The person would go through the required treatment. Um, the pilot needs to be fit and cleared by the aviation medical doctor to say, okay, the person has recovered or is fit in order to resume flying duties. Um, and, and again, it would depend on different countries. Um, you know, in the Middle East region, uh, protocols might be different from how it is in the US and in other parts of the world. 
How different though? How like can you like do you know how different it is or are you allowed to say well, maybe well in, in, in Qatar uh, per se, um, you know, it, it was a zero tolerance uh, policy. So obviously, you know, support would be provided and would encourage the person to get the required treatment, but there was zero tolerance for it. So I guess that would be, um, you know, different protocols that would be put into place in order to um, ensure the person gets the required support. Because in Kuwait, it's also like zero, zero tolerance. Like Kuwait Airlines mm -hmm. don't even serve alcohol on, on flight, mm -hmm. you know, no matter where it's mm -hmm. going, right? So it's it's but it's hard it's i don't want to say it's understandable because i don't you know support the use of drugs in any way shape or form but considering what they go through i i i, I want to say i'd pity them that they, they <laughs> I mean, like yeah it's difficult they resort to these like things as i mean but everyone does if you're a pilot if you're not a pilot like everyone goes through stress and they it, deal with you it do yeah, yeah, yeah that's people, completely true uh, absolutely and 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 it's it's a myth that uh you know if you're let's let's just go with alcohol right so you know you we, we believe or we think that when you're stressed you take alcohol or when you're stressed you smoke and you start feeling better but you know you know it's actually doesn't work that way you feel better temporarily but it's it doesn't take the stress yes. away you don't sleep better so if with with alcohol you don't really sleep well you'd, you'd sleep but your sleep is disturbed which means your deeper sleep is affected so the REM sleep that you have is affected it's so it's it doesn't give wow. you any quality of sleep so if 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 our assumption is that that's the reason the pilot is uh, indulging in the use of substance in order to cope better with the stress, then that's not a very adaptive way of coping with the stress because it's not really helping the person recover or sleep better in any way, right? So there are more reasons than, um, you know, just the job role that gets someone, uh, you know, more dependent on a particular substance or use a particular substance more mm, i see amazing what, okay. here's what i want to ask is something we touched upon earlier it was um do pilots some of them i mean i think i think flying a plane is one of the coolest thing and i can imagine if i was like flying a plane i'd be like ultra confident right but do sometimes pilots develop like egos that make it hard to work with the team and do you help in any of those instances yeah. So within, uh, so I, I think I hear two questions over sure. here. One <laughs> is one is in relation to um, you know that the feeling of superiority mm -hmm. because of being in a cool role, in a way speaking. Is that right? And and the second yeah. part is, do psychologists <laughs> get so involved cool. <laughs> in helping? Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess um, you know I'm, I'll I'll flip that over and say it, it's it's a little bit like the same with doctors as well, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of feel that, yes, uh, you know, I know there is that bit of perfectionism, the need for control, you know, um, I've got it in me and I can manage, right? So we, they, they, I, I don't want to, you know, generalize as such, but mm -hmm. I, I would say that you know, there could be a tendency towards, uh, you know, yes, you know, I have it all. However, pilots learn through the CRM coursework that they go, how to better manage those kind of uh, behaviors, traits, tendencies, um, attitudes, because it's very important that they have a coercive um, environment in the cockpit. 
Sure. The focus is about teamwork. The focus is about effective communication. The focus is about uh, managing relationships. And, and so pilots go through training as well to be able to help them manage these um, situations more effectively. Um, when there are conflicts um, you know, on, on board, there is a human factors department, um, generally a human factors specialists who work yeah. with pilots to help them through. And some of them might be um, psychologists as well. So, and, and if, if you remember, I was mentioning earlier about how we're trying to come up with competencies, et cetera, because aviation psychology could be clinical as well as occupational. So, which means you'd have an aviation psychologist who's working with uh, people dealing with mental health issues and you'd have aviation psychologists who are working from a performance perspective to enhance performance to help them manage and cope with stress differently or to cope with it better or to uh, let's say allow them to build on um, you know their communication skills their leadership skills their decision making skills so you'd have psychologists working with pilots in, in different um, aspects or from different mm. perspectives. Uh, does, that, does that make sense? It makes yeah, a lot makes of sense. sense. Mm. Yeah. Wow. All right. And, and does that answer your question as well, Ali? Uh, <laughs> I think so. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no. Okay. It's like, I, like, but it just, it makes sense that like ego, like it, it can develop. If I right? can. But with all different kinds of like things that are difficult and you have to just keep in check. You mentioned like you get through training and like there are people that like keep these checks and balances, which is good or else things yeah, yeah. can go out of hand. I mean, for us, like yeah. uh, my, I remember my professor saying it's easy to raise a morale during an, a stressful situation than it is to bring down an ego, which, which because we're, we're taught and I'm sure pilots are taught this too, but like ego kills that's that's the yeah. first thing we're ever taught is ego kills if you're too you know high on your own self and you're like very confident or let's say too confident you might brush over something you might you're you're very prone to do a mistake mm -hmm. yeah. right yeah. that's you why have to be confident to, to fly the plane and yeah. you know like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. what how to yeah. maneuver and i think there needs to be a balance yeah. of everything right mm. too much of anything is not good so we need pilots who are confident we need pilots who are capable we need pilots who know that they can do what they have to do but at the same time you don't want a pilot to be overconfident and think that uh you know this is it and i don't need to listen to anybody else because mm. it is teamwork so mm. the pilot does need to listen to or does need to take into account let's say the you know the fellow co-pilots perspective mm. or some information that comes in from the cabin crew for example so it, i guess it's about having that balance and knowing that uh, you know, they have the skills needed, so they have to be confident, but not overconfident that, as Ali said, um, you know, being egoistic, because then that's not going to help the situation either. Okay, well, here's here's another wow. thing I want to talk about is, <laughs> do, pilots, do, do pilots go through PTSD? Well, it depends on um, what was the trauma trigger that they've had to deal with, right? So if you talk about uh, pilots of the Air Force, um, you know, the, the likelihood of them having experienced something traumatic is higher um, if a pilot has been through an air crash, the likelihood of the pilot going through trauma and, and stress as a result of that is higher. So I guess it depends on, so you can't say 
So does, do pilots experience PTSD? Possibly yes, depends on the trauma or the situation, that the, the critical incident that they wow. had to experience. I mean, like, There's, I mean, I, I can imagine it. Like if I'm flying, like it's like in fighting a little bit. It's like when you have, like when you're flying a plane and you've never crashed it, you feel like I'll never be able to yeah. have an accident. But then when an accident, when an emergency happens, you're like, oh, an emergency happened with me and like it can happen again right do you notice that shift after like a first crash or first emergency incident that like pilots does it affect them like a lot or everyone deals everyone deals and responds to stress and trauma very differently okay. so mm-hmm. you might have a pilot who after the first um, emergency situation is a bit more stressed and anxious and worried about dealing with it so if the person is again Uh, someone who's more anxious and anxiety prone, he or she might experience it a bit more. On the other hand, you might also have a pilot who goes through multiple emergencies, situations, and is still able to cope and deal with it. So it's kind of like, um, you know, if if you look at stress as well, and we have the bucket analogy, we all carry different sizes of buckets, right? Some of our buckets are really small. Some of us have bigger buckets. At the end of the day, whatever the stress or trauma that you're dealing with, your bucket can get full, right? But if you have resources and ways to manage and deal and cope with it, you'd have these little taps on the bucket, which is like the outlets to allow you to release that stress. That's right. That could be, that could be through... That could be through, um, you know, your own resilience and traits that you have to cope, your past mm-hmm. experience that has helped you to cope, or you seek therapy and you find ways to cope. Irrespective of the tool that you use, you, we all require to release the stress adaptively. Now, sometimes a pilot or anyone for that matter might think that maybe alcohol is an adaptive way in which I can release that stress, or I might engage in using, um, you know, smoking more than usual or taking over the counter medication that temporarily helps, but then the bucket fills up again, and then you still go through it. So from that perspective, um, you know, I guess it's about um, not everybody who goes through trauma is traumatized, Mm -hmm. but you can't ignore the fact that someone who goes through trauma might have more challenges dealing with it as well. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 (laughs) (laughs) so do you work with just airplane pilots or are you working on like passengers, air balloon? I mean, hot air balloons, I mean, or like uh, astronauts or, my experience has only been with commercial pilots. Yeah. Um, um, I hope that now mm-hmm. that I'm I'm no longer with the airline and I'm in private practice, uh, the the scope would expand and I'd have the opportunity to interact with pilots um, in in other flying other areas, uh, flying in other areas as like, well. Like 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 what like what areas? Um... Like uh, well, say helicopter see. pilots, I would I definitely, uh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. want to work mm-hmm. a bit more with them. Um, Air Force, again, haven't really worked a lot with military pilots uh, for that matter. Probably I worked with, let's say, a military pilot who's transitioned into commercial airline, but not core military. Because, again, mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, trauma uh, within the military uh, pilot world. So, yeah, so oh. I, I hope I'll be able to expand uh, my scope there. Amazing. Awesome. Oh, well, cool. What do you have to say for people who are scared of flying? <laughs> I would say if you are scared of flying, it's helps. It helps to know more about flying. When you know, 
you're able to better deal with it. Um, you can systematically learn how to cope better and manage the flight so that the so that the fear is no longer there or, or the fear is better managed if what, not no longer there. What are you supposed to learn? Like what would make like so make I guess it's I guess the first thing is about understanding more about flying and, and what mm -hmm. the plane does and what are all the sounds that, that you hear and what is it that happens when you know you the, the plane takes off and what is it that actually um, the operational aspects so I guess when people know you feel a, a lot more comfortable knowing that okay I have more control because knowledge gives you control so when wow. you know what you're dealing with you can then have more control Around it, right? <laughs> and then you can find ways to manage how you cope. Wow. Well, there you have it, folks. My long conversations every single day. I think I think I dedicate this videos to not just the pilots, but also to those mm -hmm. who are afraid of flying. Once you watch mm -hmm. this, you they, you should by now understand that not like pilots do go through a lot of training, practice, psychological mm -hmm. evaluations, and things like that before they even get to fly the plane. Like, that's the last step of wow. what they do. It's true. Mm -hmm. So yeah that's true as, is it easier to fly during the day or at um night if someone's starting out for the first time or it doesn't even matter i guess again it depends is what i would yeah. say mm -hmm. um because i mean for some people when they get on the flight they might be able to sleep easily and then it's no longer stressful whereas if it's in the day and they can't really sleep in the day because it's day uh, and they might find it more stressful. On the other hand, you might have some who would find night a bit more stressful because I can't really look out the window. I can't really see what's happening. I don't know where it's going. Um, so I guess, again, it varies. Um, mm -hmm. It's individual. It's specific to each person. And that's why it needs to be tailored to help that person individually cope. <laughs> but uh, the, the knowledge around flying is, is something which uh, you know can definitely help and if you're if a, if a passenger is has a fear of flying and is working with a psychologist, the psychologist will help the passenger build a hierarchy of uh, what what are, what at what level is that stressed, right? So mm -hmm. we call it like a systematic uh, desensitization, and you build a hierarchy of fears. So someone might be, let's say, scared of actually sitting on the plane, but going to the airport is also scary but less distressing and so you grade it and gradually work oh, wow. through the whole process so that mm -hmm. the person is eventually the passenger is eventually able to get on a flight and feel comfortable around it the whole process that they would go yes. well uh, again this like you i'm glad <laughs> we got the chance to talk to you know yes. a very well spoken woman who knows very much and like i have uh, you've opened my eyes to a lot of things i never thought about before which are very great uh mm -hmm. we have unfortunately reached a timestamp. Mm -hmm. uh, i just want to ask so if we talked about like how pilots have buckets maybe and the analogy of like and you don't need to learn how to dump them one of the things you said is being connected with people that you have that can help you with that what are, what what are the ways to like reduce like stress for like everyone like if for me and ali <laughs> well i think the first thing to do is to recognize what's in your control what can you control right a lot of times we spend time worrying about things which we don't have any control over stephen covey and his um habits um for effective, I forget the name of the time. Ha, see, I, I, my, my internet connection, I think, is going a bit unstable as it well. Is, uh, You're fine. So, well, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Don't so uh, Stephen Covey talks about the circle of control and the circle of concern and the circle of influence. So we all can influence certain aspects, but when we start worrying about things which are beyond our control, it becomes very difficult. So I would say the first thing is to recognize what's in your control. The second thing is to breathe. A lot of times when we breathe, we're just going to allow our whole body to kind of relax. And it, it, it just is, is, a, is a sense, it's, it's a sense of liberation, right? So learn how to breathe well, um, relax, take pause. Um, you know, you don't have to do everything right now. You know, you can prioritize um, and, and work through things one, one step at a time. Um, it, it can help to be active. So exercise, keep active 15 or 20 minutes, 30 minutes a day is, is really good. Uh, tomorrow is World Mental Health Day. And there is this whole thing around move for mental health campaign that's going on at this point of time. So I would say get out there, move, yeah. um, you know, shake a leg, walk exercise yoga whatever it is move mm -hmm. movement is very important so move for mental health mm -hmm. um so yeah so exercise mm -hmm. yeah. um you know relax mm -hmm. manage your stress um keep learning you know a lot a lot of times when you're when you're learning and you're engaged as well you can feel you can feel good that's something that works well for me uh you know continuous learning is, is really helpful give you know volunteering giving to others again, makes you feel good. Notice, notice what's happening. A lot of times we don't really recognize our feelings. We don't talk about our feelings and emotions. We tend to push them under the carpet, but when we recognize what we're going through, it becomes a lot more easier for us to stop processing what we're dealing with. Right. So I think just noticing how you're feeling and recognizing being in the now rather than worrying about the past and about the future, but being in the now just, just allows you to connect and I guess with COVID, um, you know, there's so much of the physical distance, um, you know, isolation, uh, separation from things that you would normally do. But I think it's very important that we still stay connected. Um, you know, physical distance doesn't have to be socially disconnecting. So I think it's really important that people stay connected um, at this point in time. So talk to your friends, call, reach out, um, stay together. Yeah. which is the whole point of podcast. <laughs> and, uh, it's yeah. great to see it's great to see mm -hmm. that like this this is yeah I, I i don't know what to say i agree with you <laughs> i'm trying yeah. to i'm trying you to see if it. i can add anything yeah. to it but uh, that's again it's like, very right. well said it's amazing <laughs> yeah uh -huh. so, and if there's like yeah and if i ever like get confused about what like there's something wrong going on in my life i'm gonna look back at, at that clip of what you said because you really broke exactly. it down yeah, yeah. it's very so awesome thank you tina amazing much pleasure well, to have you on the show yep and uh, lovely being on the show yes it's amazing to have <laughs> you so is there anything you'd like to shout out before we let you go well i'd just like to say it's very important that we prioritize mental health mental health is just as important as physical health so let's not ignore it oh, we, and it's not just about the government and the politicians investing in mental health we are responsible as well and everyone should prioritize their mental health because mental health is very important it is very important I, I could not agree with you more than I do. <laughs> make sure to yeah to, to like, like you know this subscribe. video yeah comment if tina you know has helped you writer yeah exactly and, anyway uh, yeah share this video yes. and 
A to the show. <laughs> so generally, Tina, this is how we sign out. It's a salute to cover the All right. And Excellent. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah, wow. Well, a lot of recognizable. Oh, like, wow. Awesome. Yeah, like Kim Kardashian, Jessica <laughs> Alba. Like, you, like, how did you reach that stage? <laughs> what I'm interested in. Yeah, like, wow. in there because she should like, be in there. Who? Is Queen Rania there? Oh, Queen R, Queen of J. Yes. QOJ. That was like one of the uh, one of the uh, highlights of dressing celebrities. No, she has yeah, I mean that's but anyway, that's uh Wow, all right. <laughs> so they uh, like yeah, you went from reach out to you? Shop, <laughs> like you just got paid whatever people bought to dressing these women on red carpets and dressing the queen of a country. Yeah. 